Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. That's right. Why am I wearing my Redbird stuff? Because the Redbirds of Illinois State got it done on the road last night. Look, there are three great days in a coach's life. Wedding day, birth of a kid, road win. The order depends on how big a win. And that was a big one last night in a rivalry game. Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL. A couple teams have had conversations. And look, Draymond Green, when you apologize over and over and over and over and over again, it loses its meaning. I got college football as well. Don't at me starts right now. Hey, don't at me, ladies and gentlemen. We got some coaching news, and I'm going to get into Jim Harbaugh first. Jim Harbaugh, and this is no surprise. Look, Jim Harbaugh is going to be out at Michigan. I'm not guessing this. I'm telling you this. Jim Harbaugh will not be the football coach at Michigan next year. Do you understand that we have not heard at all about any extension since the ill-fated president A.D. Harbaugh visit with the Big Ten. The Big Ten hands them their new information. Harbaugh, the president, the A.D. say, okay, we'll take the suspension. And then we have not heard from the Michigan president, Ono, again on Twitter. I'm sure he's talked to people. I'm sure he's been eating, dining, drink, whatever. But we have not heard from this very, very Twitter-friendly guy since that meeting. So Harbaugh has an administration that's pissed. Harbaugh has a university that as much as their little minions on Twitter want to stand up for Michigan, they, the university, knows they have been embarrassed and embarrassed and embarrassed and embarrassed. So Harbaugh will be out. So that begs the question, what's next? It's always the question with the coach and the school. I'm not going to get into the school. Might as well just hire that sh- the crying coach. Give him the job. Sharon Moore and be done with it. Where's Harbaugh going to go? Well, no surprise. And this could be from Harbaugh's agent. This is something you always have to understand when we're talking about coaching jobs. The leak. Where does the leak come from? Because all of a sudden yesterday, the Chicago Bears and the Carolina Panthers have been, quote, having internal discussions about Jim Harbaugh becoming their coach. Well, let me ask you, where does that come from? Well, it can come from one or two places. It can come from the teams. And here's why the teams would do it. The teams would float a name out there to catch reaction. We saw what happened with Greg Schiano in Tennessee a few years ago. We saw what just happened with Mark Stoops to be named the head coach at Texas A&M. We've seen this. So as an organization or a school or a team, you float a name out. You say, huh, we're having internal discussions about Jim Harbaugh, and then you sit back, relax, 
and follow what comes next. What comes next can be positive. What comes next can be apathetic. What comes next can be immensely negative, like the Stoop stuff, like the Shiano stuff. And that's what's happening here. The other side can be from Harbaugh. Hey, look, President Ono, I know you're pissed, but I'm getting interest. I would love to stay here. We went undefeated, playing in the championship game as a 22-point favorite. College football playoffs last year, probably this year, last three years. What are you going to do with me? You're going to give me an extension because I do have options. It's called leverage. And when you have leverage, smart business people use it. They use the leverage. That's what you do with leverage. You don't get leverage often. You know, as an employee, leverage comes very rarely. As a coach, leverage comes with one thing. Wait for it. I'm listening to you. What is it? Yes, it is winning. Harbaugh has won. Now, look, Harbaugh loses this year to Ryan Day in Ohio State. Well, he's no leverage. Harbaugh played in 2020 and loses to Ryan Day during COVID. He had no leverage. He's got leverage now. He's got leverage now. So let's talk about it from the Carolina perspective. Let's talk about it from the Bears perspective. There are only very few coaches out there that are going to be guys that you go, okay, that's a great hire in the NFL. I mean, let's be totally honest. The coach guy thing from college hasn't really worked. So who are we talking about here? Well, you got to talk about Dan Quinn who has taken a team to the Super Bowl, that team being the Atlanta Falcons, who basically suck and have always sucked, and Jim Harbaugh, both of whom have taken teams to the Super Bowl. Let me ask you, if I were going to say to you a head coaching position opened up, and you were going to say, and I was going to say to you, okay, in the NFL now, and I was going to say to you, you're a huge fan. You don't care about anything other than your franchise winning. Who are you hiring? Who are you hiring? Who are you hiring that could make this interesting? Are you going to make it a diversity hire? Are you going to make sure you got that old DEI covered? Are you going to make sure that when they look on my sideline, the quote, players look like the coaches, is that what you're going to do? Oh, I don't know. Maybe you are. Maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. I have no idea. But that's not the question. The question becomes, what are you going to hire. Are you going to hire a guy that's won? 2016, the Atlanta Falcons went to the Super Bowl. Who was the coach? Dan Quinn. And he's been sitting out here. He's been doing all kinds of things. He's been working with the Cowboys. So let me give you Dan Quinn. Now, this is how putrid the hiring is in the NFL. Dan Quinn, 8-8, eight and 11-5. Eight, and five. All right? Okay. 7-6. Uh, and six. What? 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 11 and 5, 10 and 6, 7 and 9, 7 and 9, 0 and 5 got fired. And he's considered a good candidate. He's 43 and 42. And he's considered a great candidate, actually. So now Jim Harbaugh is making himself available. And Jim Harbaugh did absolutely nothing but enhance his reputation here. He did nothing but enhance it. He has shown that he can come to Michigan. And once he figures out the college football game, Jim Harbaugh gets it right. And he got it right. He's got it right to the point where Michigan is now beating Ohio State. He's got it right where he's in the college football playoff. He's got it right. There's nothing more that I can tell you. The dude has it right. So let's go through Jim Harbaugh's record. Jim Harbaugh, well, as a head football coach, Jim Harbaugh went, listen to this, 13-3, 11-4, 
12 and 4, 8 and 8. He lost in the NFC Championship game, lost to his brother in the Super Bowl, and lost to the Seahawks in the NFL Championship game. NFC Championship game. He's the best coaching prospect you could possibly find for the NFL. So, of course, they're having conversations. In fact, every team needing a coach should hire Jim Harbaugh to be their coach in the NFL, period. And don't give me this crap about Jim Harbaugh has NCAA infractions, so the NFL will look away. Are you crazy? The NFL got guys in there that commit murder. The NFL is still promoting Von Miller after his third allegation of domestic abuse. Now, just stop with that. But I'm giving you the lay of the land here, and that's why you watch this show, because you're going to learn stuff that you wouldn't learn anywhere. I've just laid out for you. So when you say there's no way Harbaugh would go to either of those teams, you're wrong. When you say neither of those teams would hire Harbaugh, you're wrong. And I'll make you a promise. Whoever is thinking of hiring or firing, let me back up, whoever is thinking of firing their head coach right now in the NFL, if you're even thinking about it, you know what you're doing? You're throwing up a test balloon. Who are you throwing that test balloon to? You guessed it, baby. Jim freaking Harbaugh. Speaking of coaching, you know, back in September, Deion Sanders was all the rage. Back in September, we had rappers, probably hookers. We got, you know, the big NBA guys. They can't wait to parade on the sideline and in the locker room of the Colorado Buffaloes. That's right. They didn't go to Boulder anymore just for the free weed or the, or the illegal weed. Nah, that's where they, why they used to go. But now all these guys are in Boulder for the Colorado Buffs. Colorado Buffs shocked the football world. They went out and beat a team, TCU, at TCU that had been in the college football playoffs a year prior. They beat Colorado State in an epic game. Deion Sanders, all the rage, talking about God and speaking to us like men, and it was awesome. And then reality set in, and they lost seven of their last eight. And then all of a sudden, uh, his son, who was so arrogant and brash, started whining and complaining. And then Dion, after every game, would whine and complain. Dion would throw his players under the bus. And then, of course, in the postseason, it started coming. It started coming. The tight end, he's gone. Two wide, two quarterbacks, highly rated quarterbacks, they decommit. Bunch of guys are decommitting. And in the middle of all of this, Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator, gets humiliated. He gets his play calling duties taken away. Well, Sean Lewis goes ahead and says, hey, Dion, up yours. I'm going to San Diego State, where he's the head coach. So all of this, and Dion Sanders is the sportsman of the year for Sports Illustrated. Now, look, you got to understand a couple things about the way the world actually works. You ain't putting Whitey on the cover of Sports Illustrated right now. We're still in an era where we got to DEI it. We're still in an era where it doesn't matter if you went four and eight, lost seven of your last eight, and now reports are coming out of his abhorrent treatment of kids, of players. His abhorrent treatment of just kicking kids out. Just saying, look, we used you until the spring game, and then we just kicked you out. All, of course, Deion Sanders, in the name of God. Of course it's in the name of God. Of course it's a bunch of crap. Of course it's false idols and the rest. 
But Deion Sanders as Sportsman of the Year is actually perfect. When Nick and Nick said, hey, look, what do you think? I said, yeah, I think it's crap. And they said, hey, can you come up with three others that might be Sportsman of the Year? You know, Djokovic won three of the four Grand Slams. That's pretty good. But I get it. DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Sports Illustrated got to have a brother on there. There's no doubt about it. So there he is. However, I also dug a little deeper into myself, and I realized, wait a second. This guy changed television. This guy had networks, Fox, ESPN, running to Boulder, Colorado. And again, not just for the legal weed. He had them running there because of interest. He had them running there because of success. Now, that success waned, but what does everybody say? Well, they only won one last year. They won four this year. Yeah, and they're right. There you go. Good for Deion Sanders. But Deion Sanders lost his way. Deion Sanders lost his way with regards to his staff. Deion Sanders lost his way with regards to his own players. Deion Sanders lost his way with regards to recruits. But that doesn't preclude him from being the sportsman of the year. You really can't name anybody else as you're going through this trying to figure out who else had the impact that Deion Sanders had. I mean, think about it. You got networks running, begging, pleading to set up shop in Boulder, Colorado for a football game. You got announcers like Mark Jones literally grabbing knee pads and slurping Deion, calling Deion's kids by their first names. Now, somebody said to me, well, of course he did. You got two kids named Sanders on the field. How can't you call them by your first name to differentiate? I started laughing. I said, well, one plays offense and one plays defense. So the Sanders, when they have the ball, and the Sanders, when they don't have the ball. Anyway, and of course, the race element came into it. If you criticize Deion Sanders at all, you are a racist. Because, well, I don't know. You tell me. We want equal treatment, but of course we want that equal treatment to be special. Because when you lose seven of eight games, guess what? I don't care if you're me and my bald head. I don't care if you're a pretty coach. I don't care if you're Deion Sanders. I don't care if you're Bill Belichick. You get criticized when you lose seven of eight. You get criticized when you are so cocky and so arrogant that you make a fool of yourself. When you are such a liar and you say, look, I don't talk about other teams, but of course you talked about the defensive coordinator, I'm sorry, the offensive coordinator at TCU. Of course, you talked about Matt Rule, the coaching staff at Nebraska. But hey, like Gavin Newsom last night in the debates, if you just lie and lie and lie and lie and lie enough, people fun to believe it. That's what they're going to do. And that's what happened here. So I got no beef with this. A lot of people do. I got no beef. And the reason I got no beef is I understand the world. You ain't putting Whitey up there. Like, I guarantee you, speaking of coaches, uh, Indiana University hired what is now being called the best coaching hire of the offseason. Okay, we'll see. But the fact of the matter is, Indiana University my school, the most liberal place in America, if there was a transgender lesbian, they would have loved to have hired the transgender lesbian. I'm telling you, I've said this to the athletic director. This will be the 40th year 
since only one of 11 Indiana teams, and it started in 1901, basketball did, made the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. 40 years, team's never been honored. But I guarantee you this, if one of my teammates from 40 years ago became a transgender or became a famous lesbian, we'd be honored every day in Indiana. So I get the world that we're living in. But Indiana hired Chris Signetti. Now, I don't listen to the Indy Star. Hell, they called Archie Miller a Grand Slam hire. I listen to my peeps. One of my peeps is Lee Fitting. Lee started game day. Lee is a James Madison graduate. The reason game day goes to James Madison is number one, Lee Fitting, and number two, they got a good program. So I talk to my man, I text with my man, Lee. I say, yo, Lee, Signetti, am I happy? Incredibly happy, Double D. You got a winner. You got a guy that knows how to win. Now, James Madison grad, he could be bitter, he could be pissed, but he's not. He's happy. And he's happy for me because Indiana got a good coach. Now, how good can it be? Don't know. In the Big Ten, you've got Ohio State. You got Michigan. You got Penn State. But other than that, what do you really got? Au contraire. Now, you have the two best NIL schools in the country, or two of the best. Oregon, with that Nike itch, and of course, Washington, who just seems to pay no matter what. And then there's USC, and of course, UCLA coming in. The only one of those three schools that doesn't have it figured out in football is who? UCLA. We'll see what happens, but you go, Chris Signetti. I'm all on board with you. I want it, it being Indiana University football games, to be fun for something other than standing in a parking lot and drinking beers. I want to be made to go into the second half. And I got to tell you, you got Rutgers, you got Wisconsin, you got Illinois, you got Michigan State, you got Iowa, you got Northwestern. Those teams stink. Uh, Don't even tell me why those teams should be better than Indiana in football. No reason Iowa should. Zero, zip, nada. Signetti's 62 years old. He's one of my older brothers. He's getting paid big money. I don't get the feeling that Signetti's going to be a guy that's there for a paycheck. Good for you, Scott Dolson. Now go win some football games. And everybody around it needs to shut up. Because remember, when you, meet, when you read the reviews of the new coach of the Indy Star or one of 36 bloggers that hangs out around Indiana basketball and football, remember, they called Archie Miller a, quote, grand slam hire. Archie couldn't coach blind turkeys to take a shit. Anyway, hey, here's a feel-good story. You ready? And this needs to be talked about more. You know, lost in all of the, hey, man, inspire change, Whitey's bad of the NFL. There are folks in the NFL that are, well, great dudes. The Carolina Panthers have a player named Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst is doing something that everybody in sports should do. Yeah, I know everybody in sports should try to be a rapper. Yeah, I know like Von Miller, everyone in sports should get their side piece to not freaking talk about your indiscretions. Yeah, I know everybody in the NFL as a wide receiver has to act like a damn idiot. I get all that. I do. I swear. But Hayden Hurst, he ain't like that. Hayden Hurst is trying to shed light on veterans with suicide and suicide prevention. That's a good thing. No, it's a really good thing. Suicide's a major issue, and it's only going to get worse. 
I'm going to tell you right now, this is a separate issue, but lack of parenting. Do whatever you want leads to suicide. People want direction. People want purpose. People want guardrails. People don't want to be left free. They get depressed. They get depressed if you don't have anybody giving you direction. And that's the society of parents that we're living in. Suicide rates among teenagers are at all-time high, and I hate to say this, but they're only going to go higher. I don't know if we're allowed to say that, but that's what's going to happen. When you have a lack of parenting, when you let kids run free, drugs, alcohol, whatever they want in our current society are actually sometimes made available by idiot parents. I had a friend who let his kid drink in my house, and I'm like, you're an idiot. I love him. It's one of my best friends, but you're an idiot. It ain't cool. It ain't smart. It ain't fun. It's stupid. I can't even imagine my kids asking me to do that in our house. But anyway, that's parenting. That's where parenting is headed. But it, when you go overseas and you are in a war, and that war involves killing, you killing somebody, you seeing devastation, you seeing actual seeing what a bomb can do to a town, the horrific things that our veterans have seen and had to do. Of course, that comes home with you. What do you think you do? You flip a switch, you come home, and you never think about it. Hell, I think about things that I did 10 years ago that weren't even bad. 20 years ago. Like, Why did I do that? That's stupid. I mean, the only perfect people, as we know, are writers, media guys. They're the only ones. They're the only ones that are absolutely perfect. Even when they have affairs, even when they do stupid stuff, they write it off as, well, I was figuring life out. We, as the rest of us, don't have that same grace. And veterans come home and they're like, oh, man, can you imagine? Let's just take, let me just give you a scenario. Let's just say you are in charge of taking a hill and you and your guys gun down 50 people. You think that just leaves you? Think that just goes away when you come back to a nation that hates you, that doesn't respect you, that doesn't help you, that treats illegal immigrants better than you? Hell no. Well, anyway, Hayden Hurst of the Panthers, a tight end, says this. I think, unfortunately, in this country, military stuff kind of gets taken for granted. I've got family members that serve, current friends who are in it. They make the ultimate sacrifice for us, man. My buddies leave their family for 10, 11 months at a time, and I think our freedoms are kind of expected in this country. I'm going to have Mike Ruzioni on. He was the captain of the 1980 Miracle on Ice U.S. hockey team. And we're going to talk about this exact thing, and he's exactly right. Our freedoms are taken for granted. Our freedoms aren't respected anymore. We're so far removed, apparently, of having to fight for our freedoms and we're so disinterested in the history of our country and into ourselves <clears throat> that Hayden Hurst is, could not be more accurate. He also says we don't understand what it takes necessarily to have the freedoms that we have. But I can see it firsthand when they go over to Europe, leave their families for months at a time. That allows us to sit here and talk freely on podcasts, do our daily day-to-day routines here back at home. So I have a lot of respect for what those guys do. Damn right. And when I see little fat ass on TikTok talking about how bad our country is, I want to punch him in the head. I don't normally want to punch people in the head. A school board down in Scottsburg, Indiana, I wanted to punch him in the head. 
You don't fire a young coach in the middle of COVID for nothing other than small-town politics. You need punched in the head. Young people, old people, white people, black people that hate our country, I swear to God, just go live somewhere else for a minute. Just for a minute. See how that goes for you. And I'm glad Hayden Hurst is talking about it. He also says, I think the veteran suicide rate is ridiculously high for this country with the resources we have. Then, just talking more and more with my buddies and them sharing their experience about going overseas, leaving their family and the things they have to see on a day-to-day basis that we don't necessarily see back home or have to deal with. That's what I'm talking about. You think you just turn that off? You think you just go, all right, I saw a little kid beheaded. I'm going to let that go when I come home. That guy's shooting at me. And then when I shot back, I killed him. You think you just let that go? I mean, the majority, the vast, vast, vast majority of us were, were not born as sociopaths. We were not born as Dahmer. We were not born as Gacy or Manson. We weren't born as a guy that walks into a school and shoots people. We were born as decent, God-fearing human beings with a conscience. And that conscience doesn't leave you. So whatever you can do, wherever you can give to help prevent suicide among our veterans or among our young people, please do. One of my son's friends, one of his best friend's older brother hung himself in a garage. Sad as hell. The devastation. If you're thinking about suicide, there's all kinds of suicide hotlines. Make sure you use them. Uh, Totally different subject. But Kenny Smith, you see him on TNT, is absolutely right about Draymond Green. Look, it's like this. This is the thing I don't understand. And I'm going to use Von Miller as an example. Von Miller is all the rage. He comes off as a hero. He's in all kinds of commercials. And he's a dirtbag. You know, you can make the same argument about Shaq. Shaq is all the rage. But did you know Shaq had to have a restraining order placed against him by his ex-wife? It's garbage, this guy Shaq. It's garbage, this guy, Von Miller. It's crap. It's total crap. And I don't like it. So this is the third offense that Von Miller has. So what happens? I'm sure Von Miller has apologized profusely. I'm sure that Von Miller's girlfriend, pregnant, everybody's got a baby mama. Like Dak Prescott's, everybody got a baby mama. And we just accept it. Anyway, I'm going to go another way. So his pregnant girlfriend, his pregnant longtime girlfriend, his baby mama, which is like some status symbol among freaking idiots. But anyway, his baby mama got choked. His baby mama somehow, I don't know who called the police. She's saying nothing to see here. Police came. Von Miller arrested. Felony charges. Third time he's been involved in an incident like this. I'm guessing the majority of us here and on my YouTube chat have never been involved in this, but this idiot has been involved three times. I'm sure Von Miller has apologized and apologized and apologized. Well, it's not domestic battery, although it was felonious assault. Draymond Green is the same thing. Draymond Green is completely out of his mind. Draymond Green has become a caricature of himself. Draymond Green is no longer any fun to watch. Draymond Green's an idiot. He's become an idiot. He's become something that the NBA is like, this idiot. I guarantee you, I know you're not supposed to say idiot about an African-American basketball player because it's racist or whatever, but he's an idiot. Anybody that punches a teammate like that, anybody that continually gets technicals thrown out, anybody that cannot control himself even a little bit, makes a spectacle of himself, is an idiot. At first it was fun, it was interesting. 
And now it's just idiotic. And Kenny Smith has had enough. And Kenny Smith is not wrong. And I use Von Miller because it's the same thing. We all love Draymond individually, but we're at a point where if you're apologizing consistently, then you're actually in the wrong. There are no more apologies. This is the third apology in the last seven, six months. I hurt the team. I hurt the team. This is the third time that we've heard, I apologize to the team. He's an idiot. Completely out of control, playing for an enabler in Steve Kerr, who's totally afraid to do anything with this clown. Media members are afraid to do anything with this clown. Why? Because he fires back. Because he'll get on his mic, somehow he has gotten himself as a media guy that we listen to with his fifth grade education, and we sit there and we go, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, just listen once in a while to Draymond Green. I've had enough. There are very smart people, and I've said this many, many times. There are very, very smart people in professional basketball, in professional football in particular, in baseball. But there's also idiots. And Draymond Green is 1,000% one of the idiots. I want you to think about this. How many times does a battered woman go back to the guy? How many times does a batterer apologize? Same thing with this guy. How many times does this guy act like an idiot and then apologize? And the team takes him back. And Kerr may make some little comment, well, we can't have Draymond doing that. Okay, Steve. Okay. And then everybody's going to remind us of the tragedies in Steve Kerr's life so he's able to say anything he wants. Well, if Steve Kerr had any nuts to him, he would tell Draymond Green, we're done. So you're hurting the team. You admit you're hurting the team. This is about the team. And you're going to sit. You can whine. You can bitch. You can big mouth it. You can make it all about yourself. But you're going to sit. And if we lose, we lose. But I'm at least going to have enough ass to me that we're going to do this. Here's also what Smith says. Too good a player, too seasoned a player to keep apologizing. Now, this is where he's right. At 22, 23, 24 years old, you can keep apologizing. But at this stage of his career, you should be out of the apology stages. Boy, is that right. He keeps crossing the line. He's too good for the team. He's too valuable. He puts people in their correct positions, and he does. He is valuable. He is a good player. Probably the best non-scoring player in the NBA. He defends. He's aggressive. He'll guard anybody. He's an enthusiastic player. He's an unselfish player. He understands basketball at a level that very few do. But he's an idiot. And his stupidity with his team, with his teammates, hurts the ball club that he is paid to do one thing on. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is win. It's to win. It's not to cause problems. It's not to be a pain in the ass. It's to win. How about that? Mm. And I'll tell you something else. You can tell Kenny Smith's a little afraid of the blowback because like certain guys, right, like Tom Allen at Indiana, we all got to say, hey, he's too good a player. Hey, he's a really good guy. Hey, no, no. If this were anybody else, you wouldn't have to preface it. Is Draymond really a good guy? I mean, really? Is he? Is he really? 
I love the fact that he defends Tom Izzo. Love it. Don't like it. Love it. I love the fact that he's loyal. Don't like it. Love it. But is he really a good guy? Are you really a good guy when you make everything about yourself and you hurt your organization? Are you really a good guy when you punch a teammate, kind of sucker punch a teammate? Are you really? I mean, really? I guess. Mm. Speaking of good guys or bad guys, um, there is a man named Daniel, I'm going to say his name right, Moldovan. He's the executive vice president at the Octagon Agency. It's a big agency. They represent big-time folk. Well, he's been fired for speaking out. Remember that viral pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas ad that made the rounds through uh, Black Lives Matter in Chicago on X? That right there. It symbolizes paratroopers from Hamas coming into a music festival, and slaughtering Jews in Israel. That's what these idiots at Black Lives Matter were supporting. They stand, these idiots of Black Lives Matter in Chicago, with Hamas. That's what that says. So, Moldovan decides, I'm not having it. I am not having it. He says this. He says 72 hours. He's talking about this uh, tweet here. After terrorists paraglided into a music festival and slaughtered 260 young people, this is how BLM chose to symbolize where their support is. Molivan has said to F BLM and anyone who supports him. I'm with Molivan. I'm absolutely with Molivan. But guess what? Octagon decided that he is out. Now, he also represents Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy is the Oklahoma City Thunder player, 21 years old, who's accused of having a fair something relationship with underage girls. So anyway, it was determined that Daniel's comments and actions were in gross violation of our policies and that are in place to protect the longstanding integrity of a company, its employees and clients. And we promptly terminated his employment. Octagon does not discourage political discourse as long as it's done in a positive construction manner. <clears throat> Divisive and disparaging language, hate speech towards any group or community goes against our company values and policies. Octagon, here's all you need to say, bro. Here's all you need to say. Hey, look, we represent a lot of African-American basketball players and they're pissed. They're stupid for being pissed. They're idiots. They're evil for being pissed, but they're pissed. Why are they pissed? Because Black Lives Matter, yo. No matter what. Well, good for Daniel. I, he'll find another job. In fact, I hope we hire him here at OutKick. Because what Black Lives Matter did was unconscionable. I've told you this before. Two of my good friends at this company, Jewish. Sister-in-law, Jewish. Niece, two nieces, Jewish. Nephew, Jewish. I think... Anybody that doesn't stand up against Black Lives Matter's tweet. I think anybody that stays silent on that ridiculous, hateful, evil tweet should be fired. I think standing up against that tweet in particular and an organization that promotes that tweet, that defends that tweet, that defends Hamas, should be taken to the woodshed, should be ripped. 
Now, does Black Lives Matter care? Of course not. They're protected. Equal but special. That's the treatment that they get. Imagine if any other group did that. Imagine. You can't, because no other group's that stupid. And one thing we have seen is that Black Lives Matter, the organization across the board, is stupid. Really stupid. But there's not going to be anything happen to them. Why? Well, you know why. Equal but special. I hope, I hope, I do. I hope that they outkick ESPN. Daniel dodged a bullet. Daniel dodged a bullet by getting out of a company that's evil, by getting out of a company that has no respect for Jewish people. If you're fine, I get what they're saying. I get the corporate bullshit that's in their statement. I totally get it. I totally understand it. We are going to be positive. Really? All right. Well, why can't? I assume Daniel's Jewish. I think. Anyway, I don't care. If, I'm not Jewish. I'm Serbian, Polish, half and half. But I got family that is, and I know how wonderful Jewish folks are. Belong to a Jewish country club basically my adult life once I got settled in here in Indianapolis. Love the Jewish people, love the Serbian people, love the black people, hate idiots, hate hate, can't stand it. And that was hate. What Black Lives Matter supported there was the largest execution of Jews since the Holocaust. I'm going to say that again. What Black Lives Matter there supported was the largest execution of Jews since the Holocaust and per capita, per capita, a bigger slaughter than 9-11 here in the United States. Just chew on that for a second. And you're telling me a guy is going to get fired for denouncing that? For denouncing not only the slaughter, but national organizations that promote, enhance, and support that slaughter? Something's wrong in this world. Something's dead wrong. We need to move past trying to go DEI. We need to move past trying to pander and get into common sense. Octagon, you suck. Your entire organization should have been on the alert. Your entire organization should have been fighting and demanding and denouncing that tweet by that organization. Instead, you decide the one guy that decides to do that, the one guy with the sack to do that, you fire him. Octagon, you're chicken shit. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, 1980 seems like a long time ago for some of you. It seems like yesterday when my buddies and I, high school juniors, we were in Mike Holcomb's basement screaming and yelling as the miracle on ice was transpiring as the United States hockey team in Lake Placid beat the Russians, the hated Russians, and 
It seems like 10 minutes ago, we got out in the streets and we started celebrating like crazy people. The captain of that team, Mike Aruzioni, joins me. Mike, I coached for a long time, and I've always said this. And I played for Bobby Knight, legendary coach who just passed. But he was great. He was great, Mike, at this. He was great at making you understand how to handle success. Like, Indiana, you win a game, and, it's, you know, it's such a basketball school, everybody's kissing your ass. People don't realize that that wasn't the gold medal game. You had to win another game to win the damn gold medal. So you guys had to handle an incredible success to get ready for a couple days later to play the gold medal game. How was that? How was Herb Brooks with that? Well, it's pretty interesting. After we beat the Soviets, uh, Herb never even said congratulations, great game, great win. Uh, you know, he just let us enjoy the moment. So we obviously have a nice fun night Friday night and we go to the rink Saturday morning for practice and we're all sky high. We're signing pictures. We're signing, you know, hockey sticks and Herb comes in and just flips out uh, and proceeded to put us through one of the hardest skates we had all year. And I'm like, why is he so pissed off? We just beat the Soviets. And he did what he had to do to get that energy and excitement out of us and bring us right back down to earth. And I said to him, you know, years later, I said, Herb, we were ready to play Finland. You, you didn't have to skate us that hard on, on Saturday, the day before the game. But that was his mindset. He had, you know, he was a brilliant coach. He was a great motivator. And uh, he felt that we needed to just get knocked down a peg and, you know, get back to reality about another game to play. But uh, like I said to him, we... Well, After we beat Finland, if there was another game to play, the type of players I played with, we, we were ready to play another game. You know, but, you know, as you got older and as a player, you always think you're ready for the next game, right? You, you always think, like, we're ready. But as you got older, did you come to understand why he did that? Oh, no question. Uh, and, and especially because of our age. Um, you know, we were the youngest Olympic team obviously in the tournament. And at that point, the youngest Olympic team we'd ever put on the ice before. Um, our average age was only, I think, 22, 21 and a half years old. Yeah, it's funny. We would, we would, my 80 team that I played on in, uh, would probably be the youngest team in college hockey today. So I think because of our youth and because of the, you know, we were giddy and having fun. I think, you know, Herb made us very aware that this thing's not over. And, um, you know, that's the way he handled it. And we were ready. We, you know, we understood it. But it was, we were a little pissed off, too, at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, hey, I get it. I, I coached basketball at Bowling Green, and you had Morrow and Wells, a couple guys from Bowling Green. So I, I always tell people, man, I met those guys once, and there's just something about guys that win big. There's just a, a, a character about them, a toughness that you can feel when you met them. And I felt that way when I, went, when I met Ken Morrow. Like, ah, oh, man. I can see yeah. why he was a part. And I've had you on a different show once, and I got off of it, and I go, I can see why these guys did what they did, man. You can just tell with guys. Well, we, we, we had a great belief in ourselves and in each other. Um, and, and, you know, having, you know, having coached and being, you know, especially playing for Coach Knight, um, you know, what you want to do is surround yourself with people whose goals and objectives are the same as yours. And, and that was our locker room. Um, guys, just we wanted to be the best. We wanted to be successful. Uh, all of us came from successful, successful programs, Wisconsin, Bowling Green, you know, uh, obviously Minnesota, Boston University, uh, you know, Minnesota Duluth, North Dakota, you know, guys that were used to winning and, and, and winning championships. And, 
And when you surround yourself in that kind of an atmosphere, usually good things are going to happen. And add that to we we had some pretty good players. It's not like you know we were a bunch of yeah. you know ragamuffins right. who couldn't play the game. So when you, when you have that kind of talent and that kind of work ethic, usually good things are going to happen. And and I think the mindset of our team was that. You know, hey, Mike, um, there was a sense of national pride, like crazy national pride. I mentioned here in, you know, Maryville, Indiana, we're screaming and yelling. Do you think if this same thing happened today, given where we're at, not only the climate, I think, of a huge lack of patriotism, but the fact that there's so much else going on, do you think America would get behind that same kind of story the way they did you guys? I'd like to think we would. Um, you know, I've said this many, many times. Other than representing your country in the military, the greatest thing you can do is put a USA jersey on and represent your country in a sporting event, whatever sporting event that might be. Um, and I think we take great pride in watching our athletes compete representing the country. I think the only thing that could, you know, that's very different, you go back to 1979 and 1980, it was the Soviet Union and the enemy. Um, you know, I don't know now, maybe if we had a, a soccer game against Iran or something, <laughs> it might mean something more from, right, the, right. from the political kind of climate. Although that was never our intention in 1980. It wasn't about politics. It was about winning a tournament. So I think that the, the setup with us then was, yes, we were in a difficult time in our country, similar as we're dealing with today, maybe not as bad um, as we're dealing with today. And, and, and the country was looking for something to feel good about. They were tired of all the negativism, uh, the inflation, the hostages, Afghanistan. And, uh, we as a country were looking for something, and all of a sudden we come along. And, and I've said this before. I remember Jim Lampley said it later after the Olympics. It was a time when the United States and Americans were proud to wave a flag, where prior to that we weren't sure. And I think that's a situation we might be in right now. We need something, someone to kind of get us to realize how great this country is that we live in and the opportunities that we have to, to be in this country and how fortunate we are. And sometimes it takes something, some event, maybe it's a sporting event, maybe it's a political event. I don't know. I'm not a you know politic guy. But in 1980, it was us. And, and I'm hoping that there's something out there that can kind of just opens pe people's eyes to, you know, embrace this country and, and don't, you know, get pissed off at it. Yeah, you know, uh, do you see anybody, well, let's talk about, you said an individual, do, it, 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 who? Like, is there anybody that you look out and you say, okay, that guy could do this or that group could do this? Because we're talking about, and even where you live, I mean, damn, Wellesley High School, you tweeted this out, canceled USA theme Spirit Week. I mean, what the hell is this? I, I, I talked to a friend, we had dinner last night, and, and, and we were actually talking about that because, you know, he, he had heard what I, what I had said. And the first thing I thought of, who thinks of that? Um, you know, we celebrate a lot of things in this country, different, you know, ethnic backgrounds, different, you know, themes, you know, different month. This is this month or that month we're going to celebrate. And a high school football game theme, theme of the, of the game was a USA theme. Well, maybe wear a USA jersey or a USA hat or, or, or a flag. Who, who thinks of not doing it, not allowing it, canceling it? Because apparently what I read was they didn't want to politicize a USA theme event. Well, you've already politicized it by, you know, stopping it. But we're, we're talking about the U.S. theme. We're talking about celebrating our country, celebrating our nation, celebrating our flag. And you, you, you don't want to do that? Like I said, who thinks of that? And, and that's, 
That's the mindset of the people, you know, that that I guess are running certain institutions or certain, um, you know, climates or whatever. I, I I just shook my head when I heard about it, and it does. It boggles my mind. Why can't we take pride and embrace our country, embrace our heritage, um, embrace the history of what makes this country so great instead of shying away from it? That, that's what separates people when you create moments like that. You know, you did a great article with uh, Mike Gunzelman. You sat down with a, a guy at OutKick, and, and you talked about this. And one of the things that I, I take from, you know, the thing in Wellesley is, who's the first parent to bitch about this? You know, like, who's the first mom or dad that says, hey, you know what? I don't like a USA theme. I, I, like, who who does that? Who, who like, to right. your point, like, oh, I... I that boggles my mind, Mike. It boggles my what, mind. Let's put it that way. What, what 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 amazed me was I didn't see anything in the Boston papers uh, or the local TV stations saying anything about it. So I was surprised by that, that nobody, you know, kind of bitched and complained. Now, I don't live in Wellesley. I'd be curious. Uh, probably I can't afford to live in Wellesley. But I'm curious, um, you know, what kind of community um, response was. Uh, you know, what are the people in the community thinking? At some point, I'm going to meet someone from Wellesley and ask them what they thought about the whole situation. But it's just another, you know, situation in this country where we just fragment everybody and piss people off and not, not you know, have everybody working together, the right cause, the right, you know, reason um, to promote something like a USA theme Thanksgiving Day football game. Um, again, like I said, that's what divides us when when people make decisions based on um, not supporting, you know. I'm not saying supporting is the right word. Not 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 just, you know, recognizing uh, our country and the, and the positive things. There are so many great things that we do, and people don't want to read about that. I I've said this before, uh, you know. I could go into a burning building and save somebody, and it'll be on page five. But if I do something stupid and irrational, it's going to be on page one. We don't like to talk about the positives. We, we dwell on the negatives. And there are so many positives out there in this country. We should start talking more about the good and, and stay away from all the, the bad shit that's going on. No, I totally agree with you. And you're absolutely right. I just had that myself. Uh, I, the Indianapolis Star can't stand me. They write articles. Something really positive happened for me the other day. Didn't see one word about it in there. I know exactly what you're talking about. Did you ever... Did you ever going back, let's say, you know, 1980 happens, by 1990, did you ever think of becoming a politician? Did you ever think of running for office? <laughs> no, 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 no. I remember years ago, I played tennis with Ethel Kennedy at the Kennedy compound. We had a charity event and, and I was down and actually my wife came with me and my daughter who was maybe I think one or two at the time. And uh, we played tennis and got to spend time with Ethel and some of the Kennedy people, and she said, you would be a great politician. You should get involved in politics. And I said, Ethel, I'm smart enough to know I'm not that smart. And plus, I don't think I could lie like some of the people that do that. So politics is the furthest thing from what I want to do. My freshman year in high school, I ran for class president and lost. But my senior year, I became the class treasurer. So uh, I, that's the only election I've ever won and the only time I ever got involved in politics. Mike, I want to, I don't know you, but you seem to me to be like the ultimate blue collar guy. Okay. So when you were running 
for class president as a freshman in high school. Did you ever think the statement, well, you know, I was playing tennis with Ethel Kennedy at the <laughs> Kennedy compound would ever come out of your mouth? <laughs> There's a lot of things uh, that I can't imagine that have come out of my mouth over the last 43 years since 1980 <laughs> that I can't imagine me either saying, doing, or being a part of. I, I remember my theme uh, was don't be a phony, vote Ruzioni. <laughs> I thought that was pretty clever, but that was the last time I held a campaign sign up anywhere for myself. But yeah, I, you know, for 43 years, I've been blessed and fortunate to to do so many great things, meet so many great people, uh, which makes me again, just realize how special this country is. You know, my dad was a Marine. Uh, my son's a firefighter. My daughter's husband's a police officer. My nephew just retired as a full bird colonel. Uh, and my other nephew is a USA Marshal. So I understand, you know, what this country's all about and how fortunate we are and the service that so many people give to make it so great. And I appreciate that. And, and I cherish that. You know, my dad worked three jobs uh, when I was growing up and we understood about hard work and um, opportunities and what this country can give someone. And, and look at it. Look, look at it's given me. So um, I guess that's why I get a little more pissed off than other people when I see people not respecting our flag or our country and how important it is for us to rally people around such a great nation that we live in. You know, your, your analogy, and I've said this many, many times, um, I was a kid in the Carter administration and you're absolutely right. You know, the Ayatollah was hanging hostages. I mean, it was a bad deal. Do you, do you ever, do you see us with the lack of patriotism? Do you ever see, or how quickly do you see this going back to where we were. Is there like, okay, so but many people say, well, you got to put Trump in there because he'll get us back to where we were. I don't know whether that's true or not. What do you see five, 10 years from now? I hope we have somebody that can be able to lead this country and bring everybody together. I don't know who that is. Uh, it could be President Trump. It could be President Biden. I mean, I, I don't know who the leaders are that are out there in the future. Um, so, you know, you just got to hope that the people in this country can just kind of find a way to, to come together, um, whether it's whether you like the president or don't like the president. You know, I, I've been in situations that, you know, especially with President Trump and our 80 Olympic team, people, you know, were all over us for an event that we were a part of without knowing the whole story and what the event was all about. But people don't respect the office of the presidency. And that's that's what, you know, to me, whether whether you voted for, for Trump or you whether you voted for Biden or didn't, respect the office of the presidency. He's in charge, and we have to respect that. Yeah, we disagree with a lot of things that they do and say, but still, let's not lose the value of respect. And I think that's another thing that we've lost in this country. People just don't respect other people for whatever reason that might be. If you like Trump and I don't, that's okay. I respect your opinion and respect what you what you feel. But, you know, don't just make it a, you're, you're an ass because you think this and I think that. And again, that's just people not being able to communicate and people not being able to respect each other. And, and that's a problem. My, my guy would say there's 350 million people in the United States. We're going to have different opinions. Right? We're, we're just going to, right? And you're going to have to get along with somebody uh, that has a different opinion. I want to go back to something. So you guys, because you went to a whatever it was, fundraiser, whatever, for Donald, with Donald Trump, you caught hell for that? Oh, the, the, the hate mail I got, the letters I got in the mail? Um, the phone calls, the messages left on my mach answering machine at Boston University where I work was, what did we do wrong? 
you know, we weren't there, you know, uh, we didn't say vote for President Trump. We were there because the Vegas Knights honored our Olympic team 40-year celebration. Um, the only team in, the, in, in hockey that brought us in. And we went to the Vegas Knights game. We signed autographs. We got introduced before the game. We dropped a ceremonial first puck. It was an unbelievable first-class event. And I've known President Trump a long time because he used to play in our celebrity golf tour. Um, and he uh, uh, it found out we were there. And his office called me and said, look, would the guys like to go and meet the president for a, for a meet and greet? There were only about 14 guys in the team there at the time. And I said, guys, this is what we can do. Who wants to go? And I think 10 guys said, yeah, 11 guys. Yeah, that'd be great. And their wives came and we took a photo with the president. And we chatted and talked and we were ready to leave. And then his office said, would you guys like to come up on the stage? The, the president would like to introduce you. So I said, guys, what do you want to do? He says, no, that's fine. We'll, we'll go out there. So he introduced me first. Well, let me clarify. When we were walking out, they gave us the hat that make America great. And, you know, he put the hat on and went out there. And I remember exactly to this day, 100% what I said. I said, I want to thank the people of Las Vegas for honoring our team. I want to thank the Las Vegas Knights for honoring us. It was a first class event. The people of Las Vegas are first class. And so are the Vegas Knights. Thank you very much for having us. And we left. Now I find out later, and again, this is the ignorance of me not being a political guy. I thought the hat meant make America great. And apparently it means more than that for other people. And the people who the hat means something different for just absolutely lit, in, lit into me and my teammates. Um, you know, one of the, I remember one guy sent me a text that said in 1980, you guys beat the Soviets and the Soviets beat you guys today. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? Then, then, the, the the two best ones, I don't know how much time we have, but one guy sent me my book back. I wrote a book and he said, I can't believe I even read this. You're an embarrassment and your teammates. And I thought to myself, at least he bought the book. And then the second thing right. was somebody sent back a DVD of the movie Miracle. And it said, the letter said, I can't believe I've watched this and now my children have watched this. And the next letter I opened was somebody looking for an autograph uh, item for a charity so I got the DVD and I signed it and put it in the mailbox and sent it to the people for a charity auction item. So it was just crazy for my teammates and I um, to have to deal with something like that because our intention was not a political intention. It was out of respect to the office of the presidency that he invited us to, an, to, to be a part of the rally or the, whatever it was. But we weren't holding signs up. We weren't promoting anything other than respecting a, a request by the president of the United States. And then, you know, the media lit into us. And then I came out and made a statement. I said, maybe we shouldn't have wore the red hats. And once I found out, you know, what these hats mean. But what bothered me was it said the U.S. Olympic 1980 team. And it wasn't the 80 team. It was only a handful of, of us. So I had to protect my teammates who weren't there. And I made a statement saying maybe we shouldn't have wore the hats after finding out that I guess the hats aren't what I thought they were, which was make America great. So again, maybe, you know, my ignorance to politics, but my respect of the presidency. And if Joe Biden asked our team, and I've met Joe Biden before we were in Vancouver at the Winter Olympics, um, and he was the vice president, and had a, a good time with, with Joe and his wife and his family. Um, but again, he's the president. Whether you agree or disagree, you still respect that office. And that's kind of the way I was brought up and taught. We didn't know we were gonna take the abuse that we took, and that wasn't our intention. Our intention was respecting the office of the presidency, but other people don't see it that way. And, and that's kind of sad. 
It is very sad. It, it, it is very, very sad. Mike, I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you speaking out. And uh, thanks, man. It's an honor talking to you. Well, thank you very much, and uh, have a great holiday season. You too. That's the great Mike Ruzioni. Anybody that remembers, I remember it like it was yesterday, man. I do. I remember it like running around USA, USA, because Mike and his team got her done. All right, when we come back, we got a ton. Hey, the great Bonetti. The great Bonetti was going to join us, but he got food poisoning. He's calling a game tonight, Oregon and Washington. I got a text from the great Bonetti saying, hey, it was like at 4 or 3 in the morning. Like, hey, I got food poisoning, man. I am struggling. Uh, we'll talk about Newsom and DeSantis. I would love to hear from you. So go to the YouTube chat right now, youtube.com. Go to the Outkick channel. You will see us. Hey, Maverick Carter did something every guy. You know who Maverick Carter is? LeBron James's guy. He did something every guy's doing, and he's catching hell for it. I'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, I love debates, and I respect the fact that DeSantis and Newsom had a one-on-one debate yesterday. And depending who you look at, like, I basically follow mostly conservative websites or Twitter sites, X sites, whatever the hell it's called. And they all said that DeSantis got the floor wiped with him. Then I switched over because I'm a fair-minded person. I want to know, what's up, yo? And I looked at some Democratic liberal. Twitter sites. And of course, DeSantis got his ass kicked by Newsom. But there's no denying this. There's absolutely 1000% no denying that this, ladies and gentlemen, by DeSantis was awesome. Here's what happened last night. So I was talking to a fella who had made the move from California uh, to Florida, and he was telling me that Florida is much better governed, uh, safer, better budget, uh, lower taxes, all this stuff. And he's really happy with the quality of life. And then he paused and he said, oh, by the way, I'm Gavin Newsom's father-in-law. So we do count Gavin's in-laws as some of the people that have fled California um, and come to the state of Florida. And and why are we why are we getting people to come? We have a 50 year low in the crime rate. You don't see in the last 10 years, we've had a 45% decline in homelessness. California's had a 45% increase in homelessness. We back the blue. I was walking the streets of San Francisco a couple months ago, and I had some of the cops in San Francisco do a beeline to come over to me, and I didn't know what they were going to say. And they're like, we want to thank you for standing for law enforcement because we don't get that support in the state of California. So people understand quality of life matters. They understand that Florida's doing it right. And I can tell you the numbers speak for themselves. We have way more people moving to this state than leaving. Gavin can't say the opposite. More people are leaving California than are moving into California. You know, uh, the other part that was great was that DeSantis got out a map of where people, human beings, have been taking dumps in and around San Francisco. Now, Newsom, depending on who you listen to, just got up there and lied and lied and lied and lied and lied and lied and lied. 
And there's something about Newsom and his Harvey uh, Weinstein screw and wife that I just don't like. Now, that's a cheap shot at Harvey Weinstein saying that he would lower himself to screw Gavin Newsom's wife. But hey, it's a shot that I'm willing to take. It's not a shot at Gavin Newsom's wife. She is what most in Hollywood are, a person that wants to get ahead by any means necessary. And then, of course, after the fact, you're going to become a victim. But long story short, when I look at Gavin Newsom, I go, man, holy cow. Is this guy a typical, ridiculous-looking politician? He just is. And a lot of people think that Gavin Newsom got the floor wiped with him. A lot of people in polling say Gavin Newsom got the floor wiped with him. But it's easy to do when you've got facts on your side. People are fleeing California, even though California is a land of golden opportunity. Taxes are insane in California. Uh, it is incredible, the crime, the, poli- the, the freaking garbage on the streets, the homelessness. And this guy decided, well, when the head of a communist regime, a murderous head of a communi- communist regime from China comes in, we're going to clean it all up, which tells me one thing. In California, they have the capacity to what? Clean it all up. But they don't. Why? Because they don't care about us. They care about Xing Zhao or whatever the hell the guy's name is, who is a communist dictator in China. We'll probably get thrown off YouTube for me saying that, but I don't know what to tell you. All right, people are making a big deal about this, and I'm not happy about it. Maverick Carter was a guy that came up a year or so older than LeBron James. Maverick Carter was a good basketball player, coached against him when he was a player at Western Michigan. Maverick Carter is a very wealthy, very smart entrepreneur. He and LeBron James are true business partners. Okay, so Maverick Carter, now this is a big deal. Maverick Carter admitted to illegally gambling on NBA games with an illegal bookmaker. He admitted this to feds three years ago. Who cares? No, seriously, who cares? Why would anybody care? Why does anybody give a rat's ass about this other than the name Maverick Carter? You say Maverick Carter, LeBron James, you're going to get people to read your story. Well, maybe not read your story, but certainly read the headline, which brings them to you, whether it's on X, whether it's on your website, doesn't matter. You're getting views. Who gives a rat's? Look, I remember when my father, when I was like 10 years old, would bring home parlay cards. If you don't know what parlay cards are, these cardboard cards had every game on it with the spread. You made your picks, you tore off the bottom, you brought it back to the bar. If you won, they paid you off. Who gives a rat's? Well, you know, Dan, gambling addiction's a real problem. Good. I get it. Not good, but I get it. Okay. Gambling addiction's a real problem. If you're addicted, seek help. 1-800-GAMBLER. But Maverick Carter, if he's got a problem, that's on him. The dude's worth zillions. The dude wants to bet five to ten thousand a bet. Good for Maverick Carter. He's got a lot of scratch. Who cares? The Indy Star did this the other uh, about a year ago or two years ago with a basketball player that was a national champion at Indiana. So and so illegally gambled. Who cares? I don't care. When I say I don't care, I can't tell you how little I care. I want to defend Maverick Carter. Somebody says, well, you obviously care because you're talking about on your show. I'm doing it so I can show the absurdity of it. Well, gambling's legal. Yeah, it wasn't then. 
All right, it wasn't then. Raise your hand if you haven't bet with an illegal bookmaker. I'm not raising my hand. I was doing it when I was 10. Never even looked at spreads when I was a player or a coach. But as soon as I got done, well, not as soon as, a couple years later at Thanksgiving, my dad, my brother, and I found an offshore place that was recommended to me on my radio show. What do I care? Stop it. Jesus. Here's another thing I don't care about. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. But there is a report on On3, which is apparently is a popular college sports site on X. I guess, I'm assuming they have a website. They're saying this. On3 reports the NCAA has discovered that the University of North Carolina has illegally used their NIL money in an attempt to get quarterback Drake May to return to for his junior year at North Carolina. Doesn't say what they did, but let me ask you a question. What could possibly be illegal in this day and age? I mean, what could possibly? The coach at IU, hey, give me another 100000 for Jalen Hood Shafino so that he could quit in the second round or actually the first round. I don't even know what round, the NCAA tournament. That's what they do. They, Matt Rule, the Nebraska coach, just came out and said, look, to get a good quarterback, you got to spend a million to a million five. DJ Ungale is a beaver forever. DJ Ungale, the guy with an idiot of a father, Big Dave, DJ Ungale was supposed to save the world at Clemson. He got benched. DJ Ungale went to Oregon State, resurrected his career, didn't win anything, and now DJ Ungale is back on the market. Well, guess what he's doing? He's fielding offers. 1.5 million probably turned into about three from some idiotic coach. It's just the way it is. I'm just saying, there is nothing about DJ Ungale leaving Oregon State that doesn't scream, pay me to come play. Now, maybe the rules are different when you're at a school. And you know what? I don't even care. Somebody might say, well, Dan, educate us on the rules. No, you don't understand. I don't care because there are no rules. If you're going to go name, image, and likeness without guardrails, coaches are going to do what they've always done. They're going to go outside. They're going to figure it out. That's why I keep telling you, Billis, who I love, and all of the guys say the NCAA rulebook is too thick. You know why? Because coaches know how to circumvent the rules. So if you're going to tell me, Indiana University, with their new coach, Chris Signetti, decides to pay $2 million to get DJ Ungale, and there's going to be a report in on three or in whatever that Indiana cheated, I'd be like all for it. And I'm the staunchest guy against cheating. But I know reality. And in reality, there is no NCAA violation with the NIL. There is none. Zero. Now, they might be mad at Whitey. They might be mad at the white quarterback getting the money. They might be mad at Mac, Mac uh, Brown. They might be mad at North Carolina. They might say North Carolina skated on the academic scandal, which they didn't skate on the academic scandal. They did exactly what every school in the country would do. By the way, I can get into that at a later time. So there's all kinds of reasons that this is out there, but it ain't about cheating by paying the quarterback money. It ain't. Not even a little. And I get a kick out of it. I do. I get a big time, big time kick out of it. Cheating my ass. 
The only way you're cheating is if you're not participating in it. And North Carolina apparently is participating in it to keep a stud quarterback. That's a legacy. Remember his brother, Luke May, was the most valuable player of the East Regional when North Carolina went to the championship game? His dad was a really good quarterback at North Carolina. It's an athletic family. They should pay. And you know what? Drake May, his mom, his dad, his brother, they should hold up North Carolina for more money. Screw them. Uh, not screw them. I talked about this earlier. Von Miller's a dirtbag. Shocking. Because Von Miller wears glasses. Von Miller wears glasses and Von Miller speaks. And Von Miller speaks articulately and is in commercials. And you see him show up uh, on pregame and postgame shows. And everybody kisses Von Miller's ass. Well, Von Miller has been accused of assaulting his baby mama baby mamas. Everybody's got a baby mama. And baby mamas are celebrated. Yay, Rob, baby mama. Baby mamas are smart. Baby mamas are going to get set up for life doing the thing that they do best, spread their legs. Anyway, freaking Von Miller. Von Miller's a guy that this is his third accusation of domestic violence. This one has resulted in Von Miller turning himself in. Now, who knows what's true? I mean, damn, if a baby mama says it, does it mean it's really true? If a football, basketball, baseball, hockey player denies it, does it mean it's really true? Oh, hell no. Nobody knows, but I do know this. This is number three for old Von Miller. And of course, his team, the Buffalo Bills, who seemingly have a new problem every week. And well, they're not doing anything but waiting for the investigation. The baby mama who sees checks flying out of her future is saying, well, you know, no, 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 nothing happened, nothing happened. Well, something happened because the damn police were called. They saw enough evidence to file a felony charge and baby mama drama continues for Von Miller. You know what? Von Miller ain't a man. Von Miller's a little boy. He's a punk. Now, nah, that's what he is. He's a punk. He's a little guy. It's just a little guy. Little men, little boys get mad at girls. They do. Little boys pull pigtails. Little boys don't know the difference, and they, they wrestle and punch women when they're little kids. That's all Von Miller is. He seems to have a problem. He seems to have a childish problem. What do you do? I've always said this. What do you do, sir, when you are done punching grabbing, choking a woman. What's your move? What are you doing, Von? Oh, I'm really sorry. You know what Von Miller decided to do? Von Miller decided to skedaddle. Von Miller decided, I'm getting out of here. So when the police came, guess who wasn't there? The little child, the little boy, Von Miller. Because, well, men, when accused, and if they're innocent, stand there, listen, tell why they're innocent. Children run. Little boys and little girls run. It's what they do. And that's what this punk did. I don't know what's real. I know the girl went to the hospital. I know the police came. And you know police don't want to charge Von Miller. You know they don't want to deal with all of it, whether it's from crazy Bill fan, crazy NFL fan, crazy race fan. You know they don't want to do it. But sometimes you got to do it, period. And Miller's a child. All you guys that hit women or guys like Doyle that, that prey on young women who have just been married and have kids and they're depressed and you prey on them, you're just little kids, freaking idiots, and you piss me off. You do. 
You piss me off. It's the third time with this idiot. You know, it's like Kobe Bryant. Everybody makes Kobe Bryant out to be a hero. Mamba, baby. Yeah, what would Kobe do? Yeah? Tell you what, at some point, at some point, that NDA of the girl that he raped is going to expire, and he's going to talk, and all you mommies and daddies that support Kobe Bryant are going to look like the idiots that you are. I hate abuse of women. I got a daughter. I got a stepdaughter. I got a mother who's 87. Uh, no, I, sorry, Mom. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I got a, uh, a wife, a sister, sister-in-law. Freaking hate you idiots that think it's okay, and then you start backpedaling and lie your way out of abuse. I hate you. I don't like you. I hate you. Uh, this, ladies and gentlemen, is from our email pile. And what an email pile it is. We got great emails coming. Here's one. Uh, this email, Proud American, Dan, why is it that their nature, that liberal propagandists have it out for de- destroying kids' lives? At this point, it doesn't come as a shock to me. The kid, talking about the little boy who is eight years old, who nine years old, who is wearing a headdress, half red, half black paint, the kid is literally Native American. Deadspin should be deleted and sent into further oblivion the same way Hulk Hogan beat Gawker into non-existence. They have truly earned it. Boy, you're right about that. But you know what? Deadspin's laughing all the way to name recognition. They ain't laughing to the bank. They're laughing to name recognition. That's all they care about. That's all Greg Doyle at the Indy Star, Dan Wolken at USA Today, or Caron Phillips or Karen Phillips cares about at Deadspin or Julie DiCarlo at Deadspin. They don't care about what's real. They don't care about being honest. They care about clicks. They care about, care about you knowing their name so that they can show up on the next TV show. They're punks. They're cretins. They're horrible human beings. This is from Joe Albano. Uh, Hey, Dan, Aaron Rodgers returning is just another way to say he's defied science. You're right about that. And the Jets will do what they always do by making the wrong decision. Boy, is that right. By the time the 21 window is up, they will have been eliminated from any playoff contention. That's exactly right and exactly what I said yesterday. But the Jets will still allow him to call his own shots and play football. Makes no sense to me. Totally agree with you. Totally agree. Talking about week 16, Christmas Eve. Now, let me ask you a question. At 4-7, and seven, with the worst offense and arguably the worst organization currently going right now in football with a milk-toast coach, do you really think the Jets are going to go on some run and, uh, and on week 16 throw Aaron Rodgers out there with a chance to make the playoffs? No. Do you really think that they'll be eliminated from the playoffs and somehow, some way, still decide to throw Aaron Rodgers out there, I say they will. And I agree with you, Joe. It's stupid, but it's what the Jets are. John Buzzard, I would assume it's not a lump sum payment to Mark Cuban. You know, Cuban sold his store, the Mavericks, for $3.5 million. Cuban needs the value and stability of the franchise to stay high until he retains all payments. My guess, with both Jordan and Cuban selling their franchises, this is interesting, Cuban doesn't want to cause alarm with other owners that don't see what they see, a business league that is overvalued due to overinflated TV contracts that will soon expire. You're right. 
Once they expire, revenues go away, but players will not accept lower contract values. The league is poised for a total monetary reset. Cuban's deal is interesting. I don't necessarily, I guess the devil's in the fine print, but I don't necessarily believe that the ownership, the Las Vegas Sands Corporation, Ms. Miriam Edelson, is going to acquiesce and give Cuban total control over basketball operations. Maybe she will. Maybe this is a deal strictly to get legalized sports gambling and gambling in general into Texas and starting with the first license, which would go to Mark Cuban, starting with a new uh, arena in a casino district in downtown Dallas. I think that's a win-win. But this is so interesting to me because people are just assuming that Texas is going to grant a gaming license. I think they will too. But don't assume that. Texas is an interesting place. Whether or not you agree with Texas and their gun laws, whether or not you agree with Texans in general, Texas has always been, at its core, kind of a deeply devout state. It'll be interesting to see if they do allow that. Uh, this is from Steve Clements and Hey NFL. If we're going to defund the police, let's also defund referees. We, if we don't need law and order in our streets, why do we need it on the field? 22 guys on the field should be able to figure it out. They don't need interference from diversity hires. Let's go to a modern Roman Coliseum and see some carnage. I know we need to kiss the backsides of the players' union and a bunch of spoiled-ass players who, wouldn't cut the owners, who would cut the owner's throat in a second if a dime was in play rolling around in the ground. So let's make sure these frauds are happy. It's obviously this league does not care about the fans. Boy, you're right about that. I've told you forever. A few years ago, and this comes from actual referees, current and former, the NFL decided we're too old, we're too white, we got to get younger and we got to get more diverse. So they got rid of guys with as much as 30, 35 years of experience. For younger, five years. The average, oh, excuse me, over half of the referees have less than 10 years' experience. Referees currently in the NFL have made fun of the older referees, saying, well, you must not have been very good because I got to the NFL in five years. Well, uh, you also must have been very diverse because that's what the NFL did. You can get mad at me all you'd like, but these are the facts. Them's the berries, as people say. The NFL made a commitment to get younger. The NFL made a commitment to get more women. The NFL made a commitment to get more African Americans. Fine. I don't care who referees, but experience matters in the NFL. The game is fast. The game is quick. The game is played at a level that none of these folks have seen for enough time. And that fat-ass lady who uh, was a sideline lady who can barely run is a perfect example. She's African-American, she's a woman, and she's a fat ass, and she cannot get up the line. It's really kind of sad to watch. The NFL made its own bet. They simply did. And you know what? Last night, Pete Carroll went off on the referees. There were like 20 penalties. It was hard to watch, and that's what's happening. Every time somebody scores, every time a great play is made, I look down at the bottom right. I look at the bottom right to see if there's a little yellow flag. And honest to God, most times there is. Anytime there's a pass that's broken up, I immediately turn my eyes to the bottom right to see if there's a flag. And most times there is. Hey, if you want to join the show, email me at outkickdockage at gmail.com. That's right, outkickdockage at gmail.com. Or I know we have some voicemails we'll probably play Monday, 929-687-3941. That's 
3941. David Hookstead is going to join us, and we're going to talk college football. And I got some bets for you. I'm not going to lie. If you pay attention to gambling, you know there are highs and there are lows. I went through a bad low, then I went through an incredible high, and guess what? I'm back on a high. Last night, the sack attack got her done. He gave us woo, the Seahawks plus 10 and over. We bought a few points, 46 and a half. The sack attack is on one. I'm on one too, including my prediction for Indiana, Maryland, which is being played tonight. Also, everybody's saying, what does Vegas know about Oregon and Washington? They should be asking, what does Double D know? I'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, our boy Hookstead, America's biggest Wisconsin fan. Indiana just passed Wisconsin with the hiring of Chris Signetti, so we're all excited about that. Indiana should be better than Wisconsin, Iowa. Northwestern, Illinois, Purdue, Rutgers, Minnesota. Indiana just jumped up very high. What do you think? No? Yes? You know this guy Signetti? I like him. What the hell? Well, as I wrote this morning on Outkick.com, probably the best hire of the entire coaching cycle. All the guy does is win. He won at D2. He won at Elon in the FCS. Then he goes to James Madison, wins a ton of games, I believe 54-9. and Indiana flies in under the radar, scoops him up. This was the best-case scenario for the Hoosiers. They nailed this hire. I would be very happy if I was an Indiana fan like yourself. Yeah, you know what? I don't listen. Our local media, you know, said Archie Miller was a slam dunk hire, so I don't listen to our local guys. They're in pocket. But I talked to enough people, including Lee Fitting, who is a James Madison grad who started uh, game day at ESPN. He's like, look, you guys should be ecstatic. So, hey, I'm ecstatic. It's the southernmost school in the Big Ten. We've got great weather in Bloomington. Screw all you people. We're coming for you, Hookstead. We're coming for Luke Fickle, baby. That's right. Meet me on the meet, meet me on the field any day, Dan. You name the time and place, and I'll be there. You take that to the bank. We beat you this year. How embarrassing is that for you? That was humiliating. I actually told my girlfriend that <laughs> that was rock bottom. I've had some bad Wisconsin moments, losing to that Indiana team, and then losing to that Northwestern team. Rock bottom, my friend. Rock bottom. All right, tonight, what does Vegas know? They've made it a 10-point spread. Washington, the underdog, Oregon, the favorite. What do they know tonight? I think they know Bo Nix is playing better and better every single game he's going. Meanwhile, Washington just had to squeak one out against the mediocre Washington State team. Bo Nix should win the Heisman. I think he probably will. He deserves to win the Heisman. That Oregon team is stacked. I mean, you look at that offensive side of the ball with Nix, the quarterback and the whole thing, they're a juggernaut program. I understand they lost earlier in the season to Washington, but it matters right now. How you playing right now? Oregon is hands down playing better football than Washington. Ten points. It could get ugly. I really like the Ducks in that game. 
I do too. I'm willing. I'm going to make it nine and a half. I'm going to buy a half a point on it because I don't like 10. 10, you know, you got to get two touchdowns basically to win the bet. I'm not digging on that one. Hey, the over under 34 and a half, Michigan and Iowa. I could see Michigan winning this one 42 to nothing. I don't know. Well, the over-under for the first half Iowa point total opened at half a point. It had since gone up to two and a half points. So the odds makers don't think Iowa is going to literally score at all in this game. I would take Michigan. They're going to they're gonna beat the brakes off of Iowa. The only question is they're guaranteed to get in. So if they get up 28-0, 35-0, does Harbaugh pull the dogs back, bench his best players, keep them healthy? Or does he go on a revenge tour and pour 60 on this team just to prove a point to the Big Ten? got to take that into account this game's not going to be close Dan it'll be a snooze fest for sure you know I agree with you on both if I'm Harbaugh this is the Big Ten stage this is the commissioner that embarrassed himself he embarrassed Ward Manuel the AD and he embarrassed oh oh no the president in a meeting where they accepted the punishment I want to stand on that stage, get that trophy from Patini, having won like Ohio State did a few years ago against your Wisconsin Badgers, 52 to nothing. That's what I want, baby. That's what I would do if I was Harbaugh. Imagine the reaction from Tony Petiti when he has to look Harbaugh in the face and hand him a bit a 13-0 Michigan team, the Big Ten champion. Hollywood couldn't script drama like this, Dan. I think it's awesome. I do. I think it's awesome. Uh, Georgia, Alabama, it's a five-point spread. Alabama got a shot here? Oh, not only does Alabama have a shot, I think there's a very, very good chance Alabama is going to win this game. If you look at Georgia, they've played a handful of good teams. They beat a really, really good Ole Miss team. They beat a good Missouri team. I'm hard-pressed to say they're super battle-tested, though. Alabama's playing their best football of the season down the stretch, similar to Oregon. Granted, they needed a borderline miracle to beat Auburn. I like Alabama in this game. Jalen Milrow is a totally different player than he was earlier in the season. I would take Alabama in the points. I would also sprinkle a little bit on the money line. And, Dan, if Alabama wins that game, the SEC could get frozen out of the college football playoff, which would be the funniest thing to ever happen. All right, I got to ask you that question because I'm going to go by percentage. Uh, If Alabama wins, Uh, And and let's just say, because you don't know what's happening in other games, obviously. But let's just say Florida State wins. Let's say that Texas wins. Let's say Michigan wins. You know, um, by percentage, what percent do you think the SEC would get frozen out if Alabama wins? Uh, The scenario you just played out, all the favorites win, 100%. There will not be any SEC team in the playoff. If that happens, because the final spot comes down to Georgia, Alabama and Texas. And so what are you going to do? Texas beat Alabama. Georgia lost to Alabama in the SEC title game. I zero. I think it would be zero. You'd have Florida State, Michigan, Washington, probably Texas. What about Oregon? If Oregon wins? If Oregon wins, I don't think it changes that much. Instead of Washington going, you just slide Oregon in there because they're 12-1 12-1 and one, Pac-12 champions. They'd have a really, really nice win. Texas beating Alabama. That is going to haunt the SEC because Texas holds that over the head of the SEC. Dan, how can you put an SEC, a one-loss SEC team in over Texas when Texas will have beaten the SEC champion on the road and they did it in dominating fashion? I know. I know. 
They, they, they look bigger, stronger, and better. And you know what? I got Ohio State fans saying, well, I don't care who did what in September. Well, Texas beat the brakes off of Texas A&M. I, going into that game, people were telling me Texas A&M, or Texas Tech, excuse me, Texas Tech's playing well. And I don't know, over Thanksgiving, Texas beat them like 57-7. to 7. You know what I mean? Yeah, te- Texas is looking great. I, there's not a team in the country that wants to play Texas. Every team in the playoff is hoping Texas does not get in for the reasons you just laid out. They got NFL talent all over that team, and they are balling right now. Nobody wants to play the Longhorns. I hope they get in because college football is better when Texas is good. It's more exciting. Do you see a scenario where Ohio State can get in? Yeah, so if Michigan's entire team was arrested, Georgia was banned from the postseason, Alabama quit, Oregon and Washington refused to take the field. If that all happened, all of it, yes, Ohio State would have a path to the playoffs. Short of that, absolutely not. I don't either. I mean, I guess. I I, I, I don't know. I, I guess if Texas loses – uh, Florida State loses. Maybe I. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't think Michigan losing. If Michigan somehow loses, I don't think that matters, right? I mean, I got all these Ohio State fans telling me we need the best four teams in. I got to tell you, David. Now, I, you tell me. I, I didn't think Ohio State looked great against Michigan. I think. I mean, I'm not like wow. They were really, really good. I can't believe they lost that game. I don't know. They, they didn't stop team when they had to stop a team, and they lost. It seemed like a clean game. And, and they chose to go for a field goal that they ended up missing. And that was They weren't playing to win. They were playing to not lose. And as a coach, you know that that's a strategy that will come back to bite you in the butt more times than not. I also hate this. The, these people say, well, we need the four best teams. Forget the records. Put the four best teams in. Don't we play this entire season to find out who the four best teams are? Why are we playing the regular season if you're just going to pick who you want? The records are what the records are. Ohio State lost. They could have won. They didn't. That's on them and nobody else. Yeah, I'll give Ohio State credit for going to Notre Dame, a a, a home-and-home series. I'll give Texas and Alabama credit, just like I gave Oklahoma credit for beating Ohio. I'll give you – I think you should play those games. I think those games should matter, and hopefully, to your point about Texas, they do. Ohio State, look, most times – would you agree with this? Harbaugh's pretty smart because he doesn't play those games because he knows if I beat if I run the table and beat Ohio State, I'm in. You know what I mean? I, it, it's 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 kind of back and forth with me. A- absolutely, I'm a big fan of going down to just two non-conference games and requiring one of them to be against a Power Five opponent because let's Michigan played what Hawaii, Eastern Carolina, and some other directional school was maybe Bowling Green. No, they played so Bowling they- Green. Stop it. Be nice. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Dan. They crushed. They, they breezed through their non-conference schedule. Meanwhile, to your point, you got Alabama playing Texas. Alabama's next two non-conference games, these next two seasons, at Madison against the Badgers and then Wisconsin home. I give credit to teams that schedule big games. Why? Because that's what the fans want to see. That's what they want. That's what they're paying for. Yeah, and to your point, it's a tiebreaker. And it may be the ultimate tiebreaker this year with Alabama and Texas. It it, it becomes a tiebreaker. All right, I got a debate going on. You're a Big Ten guy. So I'm talking to a couple of my buddies yesterday who are big Indiana basketball fans, but they're, you know, they're they're sports fans. And they're like, look, 
Big Ten opens up tonight. Indiana plays Maryland. Teams are playing. Do you like it? Are you ready? Can you handle both college basketball at a conference level and the ongoing football bowl season? I can, but I'm a, I'm a sports fanatic. As long as the conference basketball games are played during the week, I, I mean, they should be kept in the week when we don't have football going on, right? Because, for example, Wisconsin's playing Marquette this weekend, Saturday afternoon. That's right when all the conference championship games are going on. Obviously, that's not a Big Ten game. Why are we playing major college basketball games on the biggest Saturday of the college football season? What genius is in charge of scheduling that? So play them during the week. I'm all for it. I get to kick back, grab an ice cold beer, make some popcorn on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night. Keep them off the weekends, though, Dan. No weekends until the football season's over. You know, to your point, I was watching, uh, I don't know, something. And then, well, next, Indiana's taking on Connecticut. And I'm an Indiana fan, right? I mean, that's, you know, my jersey's over here. But I had no interest because there was college football going on, right? I mean, I, 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 and it didn't ever really hit me like that before, David. But it hit me like, give a rats about this non-conference guy. I want to see what's going on here with Michigan, Ohio, whoever the game was. You're exactly right. Keep him off those days. You're right. You're right. Without a doubt. This is a football country, Dan. Football will always take priority. <laughs> Hey, uh, Dak Prescott, is he the MVP of the NFL? Uh, I don't know. That, that's a great question. Uh, maybe, but probably not. Here, I, I mean, I love the C.J. Stroud talk. He's obviously not going to win MVP. Jalen Hurts, though, he's the best quarterback on the best team in the NFL. By that metric, he should be the MVP, right? I mean, they're what, 9-1? and one. They cruise through opponents. He's putting up awesome numbers. Hard to argue that the best player on the best team is not the MVP. No, I agree. I, I do agree with that. All right. Um, is Louisville capable of beating Florida State? And is there any way going back to Texas, Texas loses this weekend? Uh, Texas absolutely will not lose, although the Big 12 would love to see that happen, give them the middle finger on the way out the door. Louisville absolutely could beat Florida State. They're playing with a backup quarterback. But even so, Florida State's a point-and-a-half favorite, which is probably surprising to a lot of people not paying attention. There is a chance I wouldn't bet on it, though. You know what? Louisville disappointed me. I thought they were rocking and rolling, and then they laid an egg against uh, Kentucky. And then the coach at Kentucky, Stoops, is like, yeah, Louisville's had a nice little season, but this ain't the SEC. I thought that was a great, great, great troll. Well, that that is a great troll, but, you know, I would caution SEC teams from getting too loud this season. The SEC top to bottom hasn't exactly been stellar in non-conference games this year. I mean, LSU, the team that everyone thinks has the Heisman quarterback, got absolutely smacked around by Florida State to start the season. So the SEC loves to talk big, but let's not compare records because they're they're not going to like where that road goes. Uh, Deion Sanders, Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year. You cool with that? Not if uh, it's measured by results on the field. He went one and eight in his last nine games. The logic they use is that he boosted enrollment. He boosted apparel sales. He boosted TV coverage. Fair enough. That's all true. However, that's a salesman. What he's doing is he's selling Colorado. He's not winning at Colorado. A sports person should be judged by the accomplishment within the sport. You want to say he's the best salesman in sports? No problem here. He probably is. But Dan, I thought the point of playing the game was to win the game. That's how I was raised. <laughs> is, is it to win the game or not? Did I miss something in 2023? 
I get criticized all the time because people call me a fair weather fan about the Colts or IU basketball. And I'm, look, I'm with you winter tie, baby. That's me. I'm with you winter tie. Anything else I want to hear about the crap? No. But you're racist for criticizing Deion Sanders, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I think, where he lost some fans earlier in the season. I'm paraphrasing. He said people don't like to see black men being successful. Like 70% of college football players, I think, are black right around that number. Every fan in every stadium is literally cheering for black players, white players. They're cheering for their team. That was an insane take. And anyone who claims that you can't criticize Deion Sanders unless you're a racist is crazy. That's just that's the world we now live. That's the woke world we we live in, Dan. It's it's pathetic. I'm in, brother. Hey, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, my friend. Have a great weekend. Go Badgers. Thank you. See you later, Dan. Chris Signetti has just moved Indiana past every school not named, well, let me think about this, not named Oregon, who's coming into the Big Ten, Washington, who's coming into the Big Ten, Ohio State and Purdue. No, Ohio State and Michigan. So Indiana should finish no worse than fifth next year. That's right. That's the confidence I have in 62-year-old Chris Signetti coming to Indiana from James Madison. Don't at me, people. Don't even think about adding me about it. I'm all in on the Chris Signetti train. I am. And if you're not, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and now, ladies and gentlemen, here is my last, last thing. I think there's a stinger for this. I don't know. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is a big weekend. And the weekend, of course, always starts on Thursday. Any college student knows, particularly one at Indiana University of Bloomington, we all understand the weekend, yo, starts on Thursday because most of us that went to IU 100 years ago didn't really have Friday classes. Maybe you had a lab that you had to go to, but that was it. So it was the reg. It was Jake's. It was Oscars on a Thursday night to see the newest band. And then maybe, just maybe, you were a tad hungover, and you sashayed your way into class, and then it was on. Where's the party? Are we going to the villas? Is it Walnut Knolls tonight? I didn't really like going to bars, although I should go to the Crazy Horse, where I used to break dance and spin on my head. So we all know the weekend started on Thursdays, and thanks to the sack attack, it did. We nailed it with the Seahawks plus 10. We nailed it with the over-under Seahawks Cowboys. We bought some points, plus 46 and a half. The sack attack is on fire. Now, here's the problem. What I'm giving you right now aren't from the sack attack. The house bet is 8-3 during this college football season. If we don't like something, we don't bet it. That's why there's not been a house bet every week. But it is 8-3, which means if you bet 100 bucks, you made 800 on the win, and in the three losses, you probably averaged, oh, I don't know, 10% juice, so you lost uh, 330. So there you go. So 800 minus 330 gave you a tidy sum of 670. So you're up 670 bucks if you bet 100 bucks on my house bet. Now, I didn't tell these guys 
a house bet today, but I'm going to give it and I'm going to make it a house bet anyway. First, I'm riding with Oregon and I'm going to give nine and a half. Yes, I know the line is 10, but 10's a pain in the prick. I don't want 10. I want nine and a half. That's two scores. 11, I know they can go for two, but 11, 10 and a half is three scores for me to win. It is. I'm sorry. In a normal football game. Most football games aren't normal, but you know what I'm saying. So I'm going to bump that down to nine and a half, and I'm going to take the Ducks. Bo Nix is on fire, and I got to tell you, I got to tell you, the more I watched Washington, I said to myself, eh, eh, it's not the house bet. I'm not betting the house. That's coming later. But watching Washington and Michael Penix, and then how Michael Penix, whether he was puking or not, putting himself above the team at the end of the game, walking out in a big coat, one of those swimmers, coats that swimmers wear for early morning workouts with a security guard, it made me lift the cheek. It did. I'm sorry. The game is in Vegas. Both teams will be really represented with fantastic fans. Benetti's calling the game with Brock Hewitt, former Washington quarterback. So it'll be an awesome watch tonight. And see this? This is a fat ass. I will be watching every play, but I'm going to take Oregon because, frankly, I think Bo Nix is playing better, better than his counterpart, Michael Penix. And I think Oregon is uber-talented and will win by 10 minimum. You know what? I am a little bit biased in this game. This next one, I'm biased. I'm not going to lie to you. I am. There's a kicker named Luke Pollock. He kicks for Toledo. Now, look, Luke Pollock's mom and dad are great friends with my wife, Lee. Uh, Luke Pollock's mom, childhood friend. Luke Pollock's mom is awesome. Luke Pollock's dad is awesome. Luke Pollock went to Kent, then he transferred to Montana, then he sat out a year and went down to a kicking school where he hung out with the likes of Rodrigo Blankenship and others. He ended up back basically in his hometown of Toledo. Well, Luke is a really good dude. He's a really good kid with a really good family. His sister was a volleyball player at, I believe, Kent or Akron. And she became one of those girls that was like on the student advisory committee for her school and then for the MAC and then for the NCAA. This is achieving family. It's the only kicker in college football that I've ever stopped, watched, and said, hey, Lee, Luke, I think, is going to be kicking here. Let's watch. That's how good a dude this dude is. So I'm definitely biased in this. But I'm not mad at the eight. I'm not mad at the eight even a little bit. I'll take Toledo. I'll give the eight. Because of Luke Pollock, I've watched so many Toledo football games that I've come to realize they're just better. I mean, I'm sorry, but they're just better than any of these teams. They're just better than the teams that they're playing against. Toledo's just better. Miami of Ohio is a nice story. Miami of Ohio, the cradle of coaches, Bo and Woody and Mallory et al., came through the hallowed halls of Oxford, Mississippi or Oxford, Indiana, wherever the hell Oxford is. But I'm telling you right now, Miami of Ohio, nice story. Toledo, fantastic team. Toledo womps on you. Toledo gets going, they get running the ball, and they end up going from a tie game. You turn the channel, you come back. Next thing you know, they're up 10. Next thing you know, they're up 21, and the game is over. Now, 
There are no elements. Miami, though, let me show you something. One, two, three, four, five, six, and one, seven, eight, nine, ten, and one over their last 11 games. Ugh, I don't know if I like this. I don't think that I do, but I do. So anyway, Miami has beaten Ball State, Buffalo, Akron, Ohio University, and they've beaten them bad. It's going to be a good game. They lost to Toledo the first time by four. They're going to lose again. It's not my house bet. Let me show you Toledo. Toledo opened a season by losing by two on the road. They ran the table since. Let me give you. At Bowling Green, they were down like 27 to 7. They came back and won. Their scores have been this. Buffalo, won by 18. Eastern Michigan, won by 26. I told you about the comeback against Bowling Green. Central Michigan, they won by 15. This team wins by more than eight. House bet alert. Book it, Dano. Maryland stinks in basketball. Don't at me about it either. Maryland, Indiana play tonight. I don't know what network it's on, but if it's on the Big Ten network, I'm sure some Purdue guy that doesn't know jack squat and is boring or sounds like Billis will be talking about whatever. Well, Indiana, Mike Woodson said this. He said, hey, look, we might be the first team to make the NCAA tournament that can't shoot threes. Well, they may not make the NCAA tournament. They don't have any wins of any note. So now you got a chance against Maryland. I told you Maryland fans, including your dumbass blogger, some guy named Ehrman, that when they fired Mark Turgeon, be careful what you wish for. So they brought in this guy Willard. I forget his first name, Kevin Willard. Kevin Willard's a nice coach. Kevin Willard's a manager. Kevin Willard is okay. But guess what? He no upgrade because Mark Turgeon was recruiting along with Kevin Plank, the owner of what? Under Armour. So here we go. Indiana's at home. It's a three-point spread. It's a house bet. Bet the house. I'm not talking about the garage. I'm not talking about the guest room for your mother-in-law. I'm talking about the crib, the full-blown house. Maryland stinks. I've watched them play a couple of times. They're sitting here four and three. They look okay occasionally, but they never look good. Maryland, Indiana, on the other hand, on a Friday night in Bloomtucky, where students are back, it'll be a good game, it'll be a close game, and then it'll happen. What's going to happen, Dan? It's going to happen. The William Tell Overture at the eight-minute timeout. It's called the greatest timeout in basketball. And I always used to look at the other team and see how many of the other team's coaches and players are watching the William Tell Overture, the flag, the cheerleaders, everybody going around. And if there's more than three, I knew we had them. Purdue guys never looked at the William Tell Overture. They didn't care. So here's the deal. In its last three games, all wins, Maryland has beaten UMBC. They've beaten South Alabama. And they beat Ryder. Yay, Ra, go fight, win. They lost to Davidson. They got crushed. No, I didn't. They got beat by Andy Kennedy's UAB team, and they got smacked around by Villanova. Indiana's a little like Villanova. Indiana, Villanova just lost to St. Joe's. Villanova can play sometimes, can't play sometimes. But you're going to find out in Big Ten play, this Indiana team's going to be able to shoot threes at home. So I look for Indiana to win this game going away by double digits. I'm not betting the first half. I'm not betting live. I'm not live betting it. 
I'm taking Indiana minus three, and I'm betting the house. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for watching all week. YouTube chat, you've been fantastic. Our show just does great numbers on the YouTube chat all day. Thank you for being here. I want you to have a great weekend. Ryan and Dylan, great work. Uh, of course, Nick and Nick, we talk every day at 5, and it's always a highlight of my day. Beth the Booker, you, lady, are outstanding. Haley and Katie, you are great. Love you long, long, long time. And, of course, Aaron, thank you for your guidance and leadership. Same to you, Gary. Have a great afternoon. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the hoops. Enjoy the football. And, by the way, I'm playing golf in Clay Travis's neighborhood at West Haven this Saturday. That's right. That's right. I asked him if he wanted to play, and he's out of town. I'll be, in, I'll be at the Colts game. If you're going to the Colts game, look for me. Mike Vrabel, we thank him, offered sideline passes and his seats to my bikes program. My brother and a buddy of mine won, so we are going. We're partying, lady, at the Bobby Hotel Saturday night, rooftop. Be there. Be square. See ya.